All right, so welcome. This is another episode. My name is John. I was trained as a pastor. I am trying to put those skills into good use. And I thought about this process about how I write these things, how I make notes and everything. And I often don't really know how they're going to go because when I sit down and start making notes, I don't have like a prescribed direction for all of these. But I'll sit down and start making some notes and then I'll look up a word or two and then I'm like, oh, well this this leads it in a different direction than I thought. And so these are really kind of me trying to explore an idea. And uh, I hope that as you listen to some of these, you start to realize like I'm doing just as much of an exploration as you are. And so thank you for listening. Hopefully that means that you found these helpful or insightful or at least bare minimum intriguing, right? But this one is reframing part four. And originally I was going to call it Pigs and Spirits and Diablos, oh my, (laughs) which is ridiculous. But uh, I decided instead on let's talk about the Diablo because this is in the reframing series where I want to try to give a different way of looking at particular things um, in some in some part because I'm uncomfortable the way that some people talk about faith. It really, I don't know, you just get that pit in your stomach when someone starts talking, you're like, I don't know if I like the direction this is taking. And maybe you know what that's like. Especially when someone starts using just just too much religious vocabulary. And sometimes I just want to stop them and ask, wait a second, can we, can we just, what are we really talking about here? Because often when one person says God, the other person might not have at all the same definition. Or when some person says the devil, a different person will have a completely other understanding. And yeah, so that's it. Today we're going to talk about Diablo. I'm going to read a passage from Mark chapter 5, and then we're going to break it down. And hopefully along the way, you will have a different reframing for how to understand the devil. Okay? So I usually abstain from talking about the devil. I don't really think it's helpful, but I think I've come around to a a way that I am comfortable with. And hopefully you will be too. So here we go. This is Mark chapter 5. Now, Mark is one of the shortest of the four biographies of Jesus' life, but that doesn't mean it isn't packed with amazing things. And uh, this is a haunting passage when you read this one in Mark chapter 5. This is the first 20 verses. Are you ready? Let's do it. They went across the lake to the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus got out of the boat, a man with an impure spirit came from the tombs to meet him. Notice it was an impure spirit. This man lived in the tombs, and no one would bind him anymore, not even with a chain. For he had often been chained hand and foot, but he tore the chains apart and broke the irons on his feet. No one was strong enough 
to subdue him. Night and day among the tombs and in the hills, he would cry out and cut himself with stones. So he was self-destructive behaviors. When he saw Jesus from a distance, he ran and fell on his knees in front of him. He shouted at the top of his voice, What do you want with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In God's name, don't torture me. For Jesus had said to him, Come out of this man, you impure spirit. Then Jesus asked him, What is your name? My name is Legion, he replied, for we are many. And he begged Jesus again and again not to send them out of the area. A large herd of pigs was feeding on the nearby hillside. The demons begged Jesus. Huh, see, it increased to, from impure spirit to now demons. Begged Jesus, send us among the pigs. Allow us to go into them. He gave them permission, and the impure spirits came out and went into the pigs. The herd, about 2,000 in number, rushed down the steep bank into the lake and were drowned. Those tending the pigs ran off and reported this in the town and the countryside, and the people went out to see what had happened. When they came to Jesus, they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons sitting there, dressed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. Those who had seen it told the people what had happened to the demon-possessed man and told about the pigs as well. Then the people began to plead with Jesus to leave their region. And as Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. Jesus did not let him, but said, Go home to your own people. And tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. So the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him. And all of the people were amazed. Here ends the reading from Mark. So as I had mentioned before, I get pretty uncomfortable when some people start talking in spiritual terms, especially when I I don't know what they mean when they say those terms. And it doesn't happen often, but as I mentioned before, there are times when I'm just like, pause, we need to pause the conversation and figure out what you mean by this. So a little bit ago, someone started talking to me about the devil, and I I didn't like the conversation in some sense. So when it finished, I had to go look up the word. And I had to look up what dictionaries say about the devil, right? And in the midst of it, I listened to an interview that happened to have uh, Bishop Robert Barron, who is a Catholic bishop, I think, of the Archdiocese of Los Angeles, and he, he puts out a lot of very interesting videos and interviews and has a very strong presence online. But he made mention of how the word Diablo means divider. I was like, huh, interesting. Because usually you hear people talk about the devil as being some external evil force. 
almost as though it's an externalization of their own internal demons, you know? Like when somebody says, oh, I didn't do that. The devil made me do it. I'm like, well, okay. I don't think the devil made you do anything, but okay. So when I looked it up, I was like, that's fascinating. Let's, let's look at this word. So Diablo, Diabolo might be the breakdown. And that means I throw across. And so for instance, you throw somebody across a room. Dia balo, you throw them across. So I, I also looked up the word demon, and it comes from the Greek daimon, D-A-I-M-O-N, which get this, it means a lesser deity. It doesn't necessarily infer demon as we understand it in a red leotard and horns and a pitchfork, like the little demon running around. It's it's a lesser deity. Like, huh, that's interesting. But then also in Socrates, the word daimon, D-A-I-M-O-N, where we get the word demon, D-E-M-O-N, was Socrates's, he would reference a demon within him, a, a voice, an internal voice that would speak to him. That has very little to do with leotards and little red horned figures running around that look in reality, very much like Pan from Greco-Roman mythology, who was a trickster and the god of the wilderness, I think. Next was Hasatan, which is Hebrew, which is where we get the word, the name Satan from, which means accuser. But then also, not only Diabolo, which means I throw a cross, but Diabolos means... I slander, or, and this is where we're going to go, divider. So bolos meaning like sticks and dia meaning two. So when you take a stick and you break it in half, now you've got two sticks. You're a divider. You take what's present and you divide it into smaller segments. So as I mentioned, I, I tend to get uneasy when people start talking about the devil. And most people, as I mentioned, are more influenced by Greek paganism than more than they would care to admit. But what I found out as I was writing out some notes and trying to understand the word devil and Diablo, I was realizing this is the opposite of a previous episode. So when you're done listening to this one, go back and listen to uh, Hole Making. W-H-O-L-E, Hole Making. Because in that one, I talked about how Jesus loves to take things that are broken and put them back together. And here we are a few episodes later, and I come to find out that the word Diablo means two stakes or divider. So here we have Jesus and Diablo as diametrically opposite entities, whatever you want to say. I don't necessarily want to put them in the same category, but at least Jesus is the whole maker. And then the devil might be whatever separates or divides. So, oh my gosh, without knowing it, 
While reading this passage on Mark 5, I found out that I was writing the opposite or the inverse of a previous episode. And so if Jesus is a whole maker, then of course, of course, there's reason to think that there's an opposing entity or force, a diabolos. So what's what's the opposite of division? I mean, what's the, yeah, the opposite of whole maker would be division maker. And that's a pretty good understanding, I think, of devil. Rather than thinking of some being that has horns and has the legs of a goat and runs around and pokes people with the pitchfork and tries to set up for them to fail, I can get behind the devil or understanding devil as a division maker. So let's go back to the passage. In Mark, we have obviously many stories of Jesus, but we have every so often these these really odd episodes of him casting out spirits or demons. And if you notice, this passage has got some escalating issues going on. So for instance, at first, they think that this man has an unclean spirit. And then later on, we start to find out, oh, it might be unclean spirits, plural. And then at some point, it even uses the word demon. So it goes into greater and greater intensity. And we've got to stop and think about that. Like, huh, the longer Jesus spends time around this individual, the more severe the problem is shown to be. Not only that, but it's not, it's almost as though it's not even the man speaking to Jesus. It's all the, the unclean spirits. It's all the demons within him that are actually speaking out. So this poor man isn't speaking for himself with his own authority in some sense. This guy is clearly possessed. But there's even more. This, in this passage, which seems to be amplifying, remember, unclean spirits, uh, unclean spirit, then unclean spirits, and then demons. This poor man's soul or psyche, and I use the word psyche because uh, it's the same word. Psyche is the Greek word for soul. This poor man's soul has been divided 2,000 times. It says later on in the passage that he had 2,000 unclean spirits or demons within him. That means this poor man's psyche, his whole soul, that the intrinsic center part of him was broken and in 2,000 little pieces. No wonder he was beating himself up cutting himself with the rocks. He was a danger to be around. His, this poor man's internal life was in shambles. And so this poor man has, is, he's fractured shambles of what he once was. And so here's what's fascinating to me, is that Jesus banishes all of his internal divisions and so then returns him back to his own oneness. When Jesus casts out 2,000 demons into all the pigs and they go drown, 
What Jesus is doing is taking all 2,000 pieces of this man's shattered psyche and soul and restoring it back into wholeness. Remember, I found out partway through writing this episode that it's just the opposite of the previous one. Jesus is a whole maker. So obviously, the devil or the demons, they're the division makers. And division always starts on the inside of the individual. You can have two people arguing, sure. And they might divide. They might get angry and they might stop being friends, whatever. But I would wager on some level, one of them, if not both, have got a division on the inside of them. And they're unwilling to admit an issue. They're unwilling to admit a problem. And as a result of it, they externalize their own division and it allows them to divide off from other people, to be separate from their friends, from their families, from their community. And what's fascinating is that Jesus doesn't do division, uh, sorry, homemaking with the community. He goes to the man that everyone left out and he returns that poor man on the outskirts back to his own oneness. So what does it look like for us? The people that we think are on the outs, who are too dangerous to be around, the ones that we think are absolutely insane and they are a danger to themselves and others, how do we go to them just like Jesus did and restore them to their own oneness? You see, there's a, a bit of the scapegoat mechanism here. There is a group of people who thought someone was a problem, and so they excommunicated the problem, shunned them, kicked them out. They're now on the outskirts, and they even would chain them. But Jesus isn't in the game of scapegoating and casting people out and saying, you're a danger to society, so therefore stay on the outskirts, where probably isolation usually makes people worse. And so Jesus, how interesting, goes to the isolated people, heals them, brings them back to their own oneness, banishes all of their internal divisions, and then get this, charges that person with going back to the community and telling what the Lord has done for him. There's something interesting that Jesus doesn't go to the community and tell the community to welcome him. Once Jesus, I don't even know what to do with this. Once Jesus heals him, he tells him, the man who formerly was demon possessed by 2000, to go back to the community that didn't know what to do with him. Go back to the community that kicked you out. Oh, that stings a little bit. That makes us a little uncomfortable. Why is that? Why? Because we want to say that if someone's the victim or if someone has been let down by their community, it's their community that needs to repent and obviously go back and make amends. And I'm not saying that isn't the case. But here in this passage, Jesus charges the man to go back to the community, not the community to go back to the man. 
Now, maybe that shouldn't always be the case, but mm, I need to sit with that. I need to explore that more. Why does it make me uncomfortable that Jesus told the man who was on the outs to go back to the community rather than tell the community to go back to him? I don't know what to do with that. Hmm. Maybe we'll come to it by the end. So here are my notes. This poor man is a, he's fractured shambles of what he once was. And so Jesus banishes all of his internal divisions and returns him back to his own oneness. Now, what, what's very interesting also is that Jesus doesn't banish the demons of whole groups. He banishes the demons inside individual people one at a time. So for instance, it's not as though Jesus says, go round up all of your demon possessed in one room, all 50 of them, and I'll cast them out at once. But instead, he seems to go up to these individuals one at a time and banish all the demons, all the divisions within them, return them to their own oneness, and then tells them to go preach, go share what has happened to them about how they've been healed, and then he moves on. But maybe there's something in there because Jesus, um, he doesn't, hmm, he seems to prefer telling individuals to repent. He seems to prefer healing individual people one at a time rather than whole groups in large numbers. I wonder why that is. It might be because if, if this is the inverse episode of the previous one on whole making, then we've got to recognize whole souls within people make whole people. Whole people make whole uh, households. Whole households make whole communities. Whole communities make whole nations. And so if he wants to save the world and nations and communities and households and people, then that means Jesus obviously has to start with the tsuke. That's Greek for psyche or soul or even mind. In order for Jesus, oh, this is cool. In order for Jesus to save the world, he has to go around and save people's individual suitcase that's soul, mind, psyche, one at a time. And the aggregate total of everyone individually being brought back to their own individual wholeness is what will save the world. And yet here we are, and we are in a world, we're in communities, at least in the West, where we tell whole people whole groups on the far right and the far left that they have to be saved. They've got to fix what they got going on. You as a whole group, you got to fix up your issues. What's happening is that's a group mindset, but you've got to go and do what Jesus did and go back a few steps. Because before you have a group, you've got people. And before you've got people, you've got their own internal worlds. 
If we want to save the world just like Jesus, then we've got to help people bring their own internal worlds back into wholeness, oneness, rather than division, separation, fractured shambles. Huh. Fascinating. I didn't expect for this episode to go this way, even as I'm talking. But let's break it down. Let's sum it up. Let's get some final comments. Okay. So what have we learned here? We have learned that the word demon or devil doesn't quite mean what we've always thought. That sometimes uh, people have talked about the devil as an externalization of issues rather than recognizing the devil is in the internal divisions. Because Diablo means the divider. But more than that, Jesus wants people to be whole. And before people can be whole, they've got to be whole on the internal worlds that they have. And so may we be charged with the task of banishing the demons from the people around us. May we help people take their fractured shambles of lives and restore them back to oneness. Because in doing that, we would actually be very much like Jesus. Especially if we were to go around town to town, finding people on the outskirts and on the the margins of society to heal them, restore them, repair them, and then have them be the ones that go back to their community and talk about how the Lord has been good to them. So next time someone starts talking about the devil (laughs) or demons in a way that makes you uncomfortable, that's usually because something's a little off. I like to say that your gut is trying to tell you wisdom you don't have the words for yet. And so if somebody starts talking to you about demons or the devil in a way that makes you feel uncomfortable, just go back and remember The devil or Diablo means the divider. But more than that, the devil prefers to work on individuals in their internal worlds. And that we need each other to help pull each other back together. Huh, this one took a different turn. So thank you for listening. I'm not sure if this is really actually done yet, but we're going to wrap it up. So may you, the listener, uh, find yourself being more and more like Christ in this sense. That you go around and you find people who are in fractured shambles of who they once were. And may you help them banish all the demons within them. Banish all the divisions and help restore them back to their own oneness. Help them come back to wholeness, help them be healthy and holy. And in so doing, uh, may you find that you are person by person helping helping to save the world. Man, Mm. may grace and peace be with you.